If you have any questions or comments and you'd like them to be on the show, feel free to leave me a voice message. The link for that should be in the show notes. If you want to leave me a message, you can find me on Instagram at Adam underscore Elisha, on Twitter at Mathematically Speaking, and there's now a Facebook group called Mathematically Speaking where we're going to be having discussions after every show, and I'll be posting episodes there about a day early. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to Mathematically Speaking. I'm your host, Adam Allred. And today we're going to talk about the mathematician Louis F. Richardson. And we're going to start with going through his life and some of his major accomplishments and then the world that was happening on around him while he was doing this work. Uh, because, as I mentioned in the last episode, the big thesis of this show is that mathematics is a human activity, and so it's influenced by politics and philosophy and economics and history. And Richardson and his work is a huge example of that. So we're gonna we will discuss the history around him at the at that time, and then we'll go into his mathematical theory of war, describe the theory a little bit, and what why. Uh, why his research was so important. And then in the next episode, we will discuss um, his theory some more, but but specifically uh, what he said caused war and what he thought could could end war. He had, a few, he had some data to suggest there were some solutions on those two fronts. Um, so Richardson was born in 1881 uh, to a Quaker family in the U.K., so being a Quaker, that means he was a pacifist, so he was against he was very against violence. And being born in 1881 as well, he would have been 34 at the start of World War One and 58 at the start of World War II. So he lived through the two biggest wars that this world has ever seen. The World War One is nicknamed the War to End All Wars. They thought it was going to be the last one. Um and 40, about 40 years before he was born in 1848, the Communist Manifesto was written by Karl Marx, which was supposed to, or which uh, presented the idea of conflict theory um, that uh, tries to describe uh, social interactions and conflict through uh, power differentials, or that one group is in conflict with another because one has more power than the other. And the conflict from comes from that difference in power. And if power is able to be um, dispersed more evenly, then conflict would be uh, it wouldn't conflict wouldn't be an issue. It wouldn't exist, or conflicts would subside much much quicker, or not escalate to such violence. And so, Richardson did a lot of work in meteorology. And uh, weather prediction and weather forecasting, which is a very common thing for a lot of mathematicians to start in before they move into other uh, fields of mathematics. And he developed uh, weather forecasting systems using differential equations that we still use today. 
he had a lot of work in atmospheric turbulence uh, research and he attempted to predict uh, the weather mathematically by hand and he failed only because he uh, interpreted one parameter incorrectly someone came back and uh, fixed that little fixed that little bug and his method worked perfectly if you're doing it by hand but we don't need to do that anymore so that that one thing of his isn't of use anymore but the rest of his work is uh, still used uh, very f frequently today and his work in meteorology uh, was used by uh, the air force the the british air force and when he found that out when he found out that they were using it for chemical warfare he left that job he quit and destroyed all of his research because being a pacifist he did not want any of his work to be associated with war um and then after but after this after he did, he did that uh the meteorology work he went into studying conflict he wanted to like i said give a answer to the question is war inevitable and his mathematical theory of war created a scientific approach to conflict as opposed to just a sociological or political approach um, that was um, happening at the time around him since conflict theory was pretty much invented about right before he was born and so on the eve of world war ii he published his uh, work uh, his he published his mathematical theory of war and the theory is that the the propensity for war between two nations was a function of the length of their common border so he was trying to find a relationship between the probability of two countries going to war and the length of their common of their common border and to do this he used uh, lots of statistics on economics and language and religion between those two countries and in in doing his work he came across something called the coastline paradox now, the coastline paradox is that a country's perimeter increases the smaller the ruler is that's measuring it and this kind of makes intuitive sense so if he was trying to measure the the perimeter of the uk with just a ruler there are some there are some spots along the coast that you could not get to but if you had a smaller ruler, you could. So a smaller ruler, you're able to get into more nooks and cranny that adds to the overall measurement of the country. And so in a theoretical level, if you're able to measure, measure the country with an infinitesimally small thing, then the country has potentially an infinitely large perimeter. And this idea of having an infinitely large perimeter in a finite area is one of the stepping stones that... Uh, that Benoit B. Mandelbrot used to develop fractal theory back in episode one. So if you haven't if you haven't listened to that one yet, press pause, go listen to the first episode to get an understanding of what fractals are, and then you can come back to this episode. And so if we keep it at a purely theoretical level, there's a potential interpretation of his work if that the relation if the relationship between two countries going to war is related to their border, and those that border is potentially infinitely long. That means war is almost guaranteed. And this perspective is used by a sci-fi author uh, to develop his sci-fi world. So that's just kind of a little cool pop culture thing that was used, used uh, from mathematics. Um, and he was, 
Now, Richardson uh, noticed, or his hypothesis was that there are many more small fights in which there are only a few people who die than larger ones that kill many. And he saw this pattern in gang violence in Chicago and Shanghai, not just wars or not just his uh, all uh, deadly quarrels that we defined earlier. And so developing this theory, he was able to scientifically establish conflict theory as a major uh, as a major proponent in studying violence or a major uh, player in studying violence. And like I said, in the next episode, we're going to discuss what he thinks causes wars and what he thinks causes or uh, can end a war. But real quick, I want to bring up the, I want to start the discussion that will continue in the next episode about why this matters. Uh, why do we need to have a scientific approach to conflict? And it's almost a personal thing. I was born in 1995 and, any, and anyone who was born post-1990 has not lived, at least in the U.S., where, not, where your country was not in war. The, the U.S. is currently in nine wars, and since entering the War on Terror in 2001, it's been in 13 major wars. There's been a 17% increase in crimes in 2017 and a 23% increase in gang homicide since 2012. So even though compared to much earlier times in history, we are in, a, we are in a relatively peaceful era and less violent, we are consuming violence each every day more than people used to their entire lifetime, and it's become a mental health problem. And there are record-breaking increases in mental illness among youth. And so gaining an understanding of how conflict and war Prop begins, propagates, and how we can end it takes the emotion out of trying to solve this just purely by discussion because there are people who's have lost family members and friends and it becomes a very emotional thing. And making a decision out of emotion isn't ever a good idea. So if we can have a as objective as possible because being truly objective is impossible. But if we can have as object and as as objective as possible understanding of how violence works then the anti-war sentiments or the concepts of uh, peace on earth could potentially be could potentially come true so I hope you enjoy this episode and you stay tuned for the next one and just uh, keep Keep these things in mind until next time, and hopefully I get that episode out to you guys soon. So thanks for, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.